lovely listeners, we are back with a brand new track and more hopefully helpful advice for over-the-counter conditions, treatments and signposting just for the pharmacy team. This month, let's hear it for the boys. We're talking all things men's health and we'll be discussing hopes for the men's health strategy, prostate cancer awareness and ways you too can support men's health in November or Movember as I should say. So let's get to it. Joining me on the podcast today is Jim Pollard, men's health writer and editor at the Men's Health Forum. The Men's Health Forum, of course, is a charity supporting men's health in England, Wales and Scotland. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks for having us. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. And could you maybe tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do? Um, I kind of got into men's health. um, Well, like most young men, I wasn't very interested in my health. Um, then uh, in my very early 30s, I, um, I got uh, Hodgkin's disease. Um, and so that hit me from, from left field, really, um, a sudden cancer diagnosis. And I wrote a book about the experience and I've kind of been writing and talking about men's health ever since. So that was well, about 25 years ago now. Oh, wow. So it's your own personal experience. Yeah, my own that personal kind of... experience got me into it. And uh, yeah, since then, I've written three books on men's health, I think, and many others wow. um, for uh, for the Men's Health Forum. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, we're really excited to have you on today to discuss all things men's health. And um, I wondered if you could start by telling me what you think are the biggest health challenges facing men in the UK today. Well, I could tell you about the big killers of men, which are heart disease, cancer, uh, and suicide. And obviously all of those are massive health challenges. But if I had to sum it up in, in one, I think it would be the main health challenge facing men is pretty much the same health challenge as we probably had for the last 20 odd years, which is getting men and services in the same place. In other words, designing health services that attract men and on the other side of the coin, encouraging men to use those services. So that's kind of, I think, the big issue. Um, at the moment, we we struggle to get, you know, men of working age particularly um, to go and see uh, GP. We struggle to get men to take part in screening programmes, um, for example, health checks or bowel cancer screening when you're older. Now, over the next 10 years or so in men's health, and women's health as well, we're probably going to be seeing more screening. We might see prostate uh, screening. We might see other types of screening um, becoming more available. But obviously these things are all completely useless if we can't get the men to actually be screened. So I think I'd see that as the biggest challenge. You know, all those of us who are working in men's health, we need to persuade the NHS and everybody else who provides services to make them more friendly to men and we need to encourage men to use them. Wow, yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting as well. We find that um, with pharmacy, our kind of the predominant customer base is is always women. Um, so that's really interesting. And I think pharmacy is a really interesting example because, you know, obviously, in, theoretically, pharmacies are great for men. They're on every high street. You walk past one. It shouldn't be, you know, it's, it's an easy source of health information. But I bet your um, your listeners, most of the people, not just most of their customers, women, 
most of the people who ever ask them for health advice are women. I would, I would, you know, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's just very difficult for men to admit vulnerability. So whether it's not asking for directions in the street or asking a pharmacist or someone else, some other health professional for, for health advice, I just think we find it very difficult. There's a lot of normative pressure on men to be strong and silent, these very kind of traditional uh, roles of masculinity. And we'd like to think that those things are changing, uh, and they are, but perhaps not as quickly as we'd like to, uh, and certainly in the area of health is perhaps the area where they're, they're, ch- they're changing least. I suppose, so it, it comes up as what I was saying before, really, about creating services that men want to use and then getting men to use them. So on one hand, yeah, I, would, I always encourage men to go and um, ask a pharmacist if you want, you know, quick health advice about an everyday, you know, health problem or whatever something that you don't think you need to bother your GP about. But at the same time, maybe it's really important for pharmacists to make it clear um, that that is something that you offer uh, and that you've got a private space to go and do it. They're not going to have to stand in the middle of the of the pharmacy, you know, talking about whatever it is that's on their mind and advertise that service in a way that's male-friendly, in a way that depicts men using the service. You know, so often uh, in, you go into a pharmacy, it feels like a very feminised space. There's no posters on the wall with men in them there's no products maybe a little bit of a corner with with some with men's health products in it so you know you can you can do something on the on the pharmacist side as well I think to make it feel more welcoming uh, to men and then the other thing I guess that's important and I probably would say this wearing my men's health forum hat is that we train people to um, to be health champions to be men's health champions and that's about learning to have healthier conversations with men about health. So it's developing the listening and communication skills that will help you to communicate more effectively with men. So, you know, having some uh, some, pe- some people in the pharmacy who are really skilled at communicating with men, um, that's going to help as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a bit of kind of a shift in attitude towards men's health. Also, you know, not just putting the onus on men, but kind of coming from the services side as well that's really interesting I think and you know we need to go where men are in order to get health messages to them and if where men are is out in the street outside your pharmacist rather than inside it maybe you need to be clear in what you put in your window that coming in and talking to a to a pharmacist for, for health information is something that's possible you know yeah absolutely and on that kind of changing attitudes or trying to um, have more approachable services and such. So we obviously had the women's um, health strategy was released in July 2022. And I've seen the Men's Health Forum uh, campaigning really heavily for a, a men's health strategy, which is kind of yet to mm-hmm. be formulated. And um, what what do you hope that this kind of strategy what do you hope it would include and how do you think it would be beneficial? Well, in the Men's Health Forum, we've always been about gender sensitive, uh, uh, gender aware healthcare. We're not talking about doing more for men at the expense of women. What we're saying is that what needs to be done is that when you're communicating health messages, you need to think about the people you're communicating them to. And there's no doubt that men and women, you know, communicate in different ways. There's a whole load of other factors around communication, but gender, you know, is obviously one of them. And we really welcome the women's health strategy because there's 
many ways in which um, health is is uh, discriminated against women. So, for example, women are often less likely to get um, good outcomes if they have a heart attack because doctors are used to treating men for heart attacks. So it's very, very important that we have a women's health strategy. Um, but equally, on the other side, you know, we all know some of the, the headline statistics, you know, three quarters of suicides being um, men, three quarters of premature deaths from heart disease being men, um, two thirds of, of premature deaths from cancers that affect both sexes are men. So all of these, the, these um, areas obviously skew against men in a, in a gendered way. Uh, and so a health strategy that looks at that and considers how we might be able to address that as an NHS and as health professionals and, you know, as pharmacists and, and as, you know, just ordinary citizens would would, would make a lot of sense to us. Um, and and we're, we're getting a lot of support uh, for the strategy from uh, from other organisations. At the, um, the Tory party hustings, one of the Tory party hustings, Liz Trust did express... Um, sympathy with the idea for a, a, a men's health strategy. So, you know, hopefully that might be something that, that we'll see. Um, you know, it seems, it makes obvious sense to me to have a women's health strategy and a men's health strategy, which run yeah. alongside each other and are kind of complementary. Yeah, definitely complementary and not in any other way. And, and so what do you, what would you hope was included in the strategy? Well, I guess all of those things that I address are the disease areas that are of concern to men and how we're going to you know, get men, um, reduce heart disease in men, reduce cancer in men, reduce uh, suicide in men. But also the, the, you know, the kind of the problem that I addressed right, right, right at the top about how do we engage men with health services in the first place? You know, and that is a dual responsibility. It's a responsibility of, of, of us as men but it's also a responsibility of service providers to provide services that make sense to men. So if we look at, you know, one really obvious thing, opening hours, um, men are far more likely than women to work uh, full time. So that means that they're less likely to access services, whether it's a GP service or, or a pharmacy service that's only open during normal working hours because the chances are they're going to be working. Whereas, you know, more women are work part time and are better able to access those services that are just open ordinary working hours. So being open out of hours, for example, uh, is really a really useful way of making your service more available to men. And what are your hopes for the state of men's health in the UK kind of over the next 10 years then? Well, I hope um, that men will have better access um, to health. I think there's evidence that men like using online um, communication methods. So being able to log on and talk to someone uh, straight away um, rather than, you know, having to book an appointment and go down there and all those things, definitely that appeals to, to men more. So having more of those sorts of options, I think will make men uh, make men feel closer to, to, to health services. The increasing of screening that I was talking about, I think will be would be really... Uh, useful um, and uh, as a result of those those things I would hope that we'll see the gaps in in men's health and women's health kind of begin to narrow so the gap between men and women's life expectancy is about four years um, and about one of those years is down to genetics there's not much we can do about it 
but three quarters of it is down to things that we can do something about. So I'd hope to see that you know life expectancy gap between men and women narrow. But arguably, even more importantly, um, I'd like to see the gap between the richest men uh, and the poorest men's life expectancy narrow. At the moment, um, give an example of the, the London Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. The gap between the richest men and the poorest men, the life expectancy of those men, is 22 years. So the richer guys wow. live into 94 and poorer men just down the road, no, not genetically different in any way, are living to the, to the, you know, to the age of 72. And so the point that I'm making there is not that, you know, it helps to be health to be rich, or obviously it does. But what the fact that some men are living to be, to be 94 suggests to us that most men could, you know, could expect to live in to live into their 90s, if they're given access to the same resources as the richest currently enjoy. So seeing more and more people getting up to those higher life expectancies, that would be um, a major hope for the next 10 years, I guess. Brilliant. And we can hopefully start contributing to this in pharmacy. And you've touched on already some fantastic points from engagement and services and approachability. But I wondered, was there anything else at all you wanted to add of as to how pharmacy teams could contribute to the positive changes in men's health and well-being? Well, you you guys would know, you know, probably better than me, really, that there's more and more um, weeks related to, to health. So, um, you know, that every, every week or every day is, a is you know, it's prostate awareness week or it's mental health awareness month or or whatever so i would argue get as involved as, as much involved in those as you can use those as pegs to to get messaging up in your um in your pharmacy which is related to men and also specifically you know look at the ones that directly target men so that's like men's health week in june uh, or international men's day which is next month in, in november um if you know you use these as opportunities to support these initiatives i suppose and so that shut that by doing that demonstrate that you're interested in men uh, and encourage them you know to to come in and, and talk to you um i suppose another thing I, I suppose you could say i would say this wouldn't i but um we could perhaps do something whereby we could get our campaign for a for a men's health strategy uh, in pharmacies as well so you can encourage men to sign the petition and at the same time take that opportunity to have a, um, a conversation with them about their health. And I suppose that's the other, the final point really, is to try and make every contact count. I mean, that's the thing that the NHS is trying to do because, you know, we know that we that the doctors and, and other professionals in the NHS don't see anybody for very long, least of all men. So when you do get a, a man in your um in your gp surgery it's really important to you know try and get as much as you can out of that conversation and perhaps that's the same in pharmacy obviously it's more difficult because it's you know you're standing at a counter or whatever but you know perhaps um thinking about ways in which you could start conversations uh with men when they're in in the pharmacy to buy other things and what leaflets could be available what could you put in the bag when you when you give someone something um, all those sorts of things, you know, it's just ways thinking about taking advantage of every single way there is, um, you know, to, to to reach out to men 
when you do happen to get lucky and they come into your shop. Um, the Men's Health Forum does offer um, a number of training options uh, online, so people can join from you know from anywhere and 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 do. We've had we train people from all over the world, um, mm-hmm. and we've got stuff as I said, uh, training um, health champions. Uh, so training people to have healthy com- healthier conversations with men about their health, and I think that's something that pharmacists might be interested in. Um, but we also have a, um, a course which is about how to make um, health services work better for men, which again looks at how we communicate health messaging to men. And again, some people in, in pharmacy might be interested in that as well. Um, so I think there's, there are some, some training options that the Men's Health Forum offer that could be of interest um, to people in pharmacy. Next up, we have Emma Krask, a senior specialist nurse at Prostate Cancer UK. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Could you start maybe by telling us a little bit about you and the work that you do at Prostate Cancer UK? Yeah, so I'm um, one of um, the team of specialist nurses at the charity and we provide free um and confidential support and information to anybody um, who's worried about prostate cancer or in fact any other prostate problem and that includes families um, anybody at all who's concerned so um, anybody can call us uh, or email us we have a live chat service and we have a whatsapp service as well Brilliant. And this month we're talking all things men's health. Um, And of course, prostate cancer is um, a really big issue. So could you tell us why prostate cancer is a significant health concern? Certainly, prostate cancer is the most common cancer in men. And I'm going to talk about men, but actually trans women um, will still have a prostate, even if they've had gender reassignment surgery. So they may also be at risk as some intersex people may be at risk as well. But for simplicity, I'm just going to um, refer to men. Um, And it works out at about 143 men every day being diagnosed with prostate cancer. Um, and it's it's about one in eight men in the general population. But we know that black men are more at risk. So there's a one in four chance of black men developing prostate cancer. Um, so you can see this is a really significant um, problem. Um, and it's potentially very curable when it's caught early. Um, which is why we would encourage people to learn about their risk to decide whether or not they want to go ahead and get tested. God, one in four uh, black men, that's so significant. And almost I just think this there's not always that much awareness about how many people it affects as well. And and on that note, who who is affected? Who can be affected? So prostate cancer tends to affect mainly men over 50. Um, men who have a family history at an increased risk and obviously black men are in a higher risk group but the majority of men are over 50 and that risk of prostate cancer does um, increase with age. 
If men are interested in understanding more about their risk, um, on the Prostate Cancer UK website, there is a 30 second risk checker that just will talk, ask them a few questions and at the end they will be able to see if they're in a higher risk group. But potentially any man, um, potentially any trans um, women um, are at risk as they get older. Um, and as I say, the family risk is also there, as is the risk for black men. Yeah, and and earlier you mentioned that it can be quite curable if if there's intervention, and that's kind of the role we want to see pharmacy teams playing. So if someone comes into the pharmacy and is starts chatting to someone, one of the team members over the counter, mentioning some kind of symptoms, what oh. symptoms should pharmacy teams be aware of that could be an indicator of prostate cancer? So we would always suggest that if any man has new symptoms, any new urinary symptoms, they have a chat with a GP but the really, really significant thing here is that early prostate cancer doesn't usually cause any symptoms at all. Um, and that's why we would encourage men to understand whether they are in one of those high risk groups and whether they um, might want to talk to somebody in their GP practice about um, potentially being tested for prostate cancer um, and whether they might want to consider having a PSA test done. Um, it's really difficult because lots of people want to understand symptoms, um, but we want to try and encourage people to be aware that actually in its early stages, there may be no symptoms. Obviously, um, any urinary symptoms could be symptomatic of another prostate problem. And actually, some people are diagnosed with prostate cancer off the back of having an enlarged prostate, for example, being investigated. Um, the, the sort of urinary symptoms I'm talking about are a slower flow, perhaps hesitation, perhaps urgency, um, any of those sort of common type of um, urinary symptoms. If prostate cancer develops further and it spreads elsewhere, potentially the first um, type of symptom that men often get is, is some bone pain. Um, commonly it's it's around the hip region but of course musculoskeletal pain is is very common anyway but we would always encourage people just to um, have a chat with their GP if they've got new pain or if pain has got worse um, but yeah the really important message here is that actually often prostate cancer doesn't have any doesn't have any symptoms at all in its early stages Okay, right. So it's, it's it's all about being proactive, really, then, isn't it? And and then because of that, I guess, where can pharmacy teams signpost people to for further support in A, being proactive, and B, if they have had a diagnosis? You touched on the test earlier. Yes. So um, if people want to understand, if, they, if so, if somebody in the pharmacy would like to... Um, find some further information or signpost somewhere. There's an awful lot of information on our website, which is prostatecancerUK.org. But we also have um, free um, posters. We have credit size cards about Know Your Prostate, which pharmacists can 
can order online through our website. Um, they're completely free. Um, and certainly on a lot of them is our phone number. So they could also signpost people to, to calling our service or on the website, people can access our email service or our live chat service. Um, so we would certainly encourage people to, to use our services. As I say, they're free um, to anybody who wants to use them. Um, and the other place, significant places, obviously, people talking to their GPs um, to understand their risk or if they've got any concerns, particularly if they've got um, urinary symptoms, which, as I say, may be something else. But um, we would always encourage anybody with new urinary symptoms to have a chat with their GP anyway. We would recognise that pharmacists are becoming much more important, you know, increasingly important in community health. And I guess the only other thing to say is that if they themselves have any questions they want to run past us, they're very welcome to, to call us, to contact us as well. November is back for another year. Since 2003, the charity has funded more than 1,250 men's health projects around the world, transforming the way health services reach and support men. Every year, the focus is on three main topics, prostate cancer, mental health and suicide prevention, and testicular cancer. Around 10.8 million men across the world are facing life with prostate cancer, whilst testicular cancer is the most common cancer among young men. Additionally, one man dies by suicide every minute of every day globally, with men accounting for 69% of all suicides. Movember aims to bring awareness to these figures, changing the conversation and funding projects across the world. This year, pharmacy teams can get involved in a multitude of ways. Throughout November, the charity is asking people to organise sponsorship to grow a moustache. The moustaches serve as the perfect conversation starter to raise awareness in all walks of life, as well as the perfect opportunity to generate more donations to go towards the charity's many projects. The pharmacy team could nominate a member to take part and raise money in the community or advertise the initiative throughout the store. If growing a moustache is not your thing, the charity also ran a campaign encouraging people to run or walk 60km over the month. That's 60km for the 60 men lost to suicide each hour, every hour across the world. Not only is this a fabulous charity initiative, but it's also an opportunity to promote general healthy living within the pharmacy. Regular exercise, as we all know, is key to a healthy lifestyle and what better way for customers to kickstart this routine. Any exercise is accepted, but the charity has two groups of people to get involved with, Mo Running and Movember Cycling Club. For more information, visit uk.movember.com. Thank you, Millie. Plenty of ways for you all to get involved in the pharmacy and spread awareness for men's health throughout the month. Thank you so much, too, to our experts, Jim and Emma. And of course, be sure to check out our show notes to find the links to all the fabulous resources we have discussed. That's enough from me for now. So I think I might head off and start on growing my own moustache for November. I'm thinking handlebars. If you and your team do take part, be sure to send in some photos to tm at 1530.com or via our Instagram page at TM Magazine UK. Until next time, I'm Monica West, and this is Category Insight. <laughs>